0: For many years, it seems now, at least a good three or four, if not a little bit longer, I have been fascinated with story and stories and the significance of stories in our lives. I have heard someone tell a story, one singular story that lasted almost an hour, and I have been completely enraptured in that storytelling. I've watched sitcoms on reruns, maybe without commercials, and have been flabbergasted at what story is told in a little more than 20 minutes. And I consider how it is that stories shape us and have made us or help us understand who we are in this world. I have been observing people tell stories. One of my favorite things is the Moth Radio Hour. Anybody here know that? It's fascinating they pick a theme and three sometimes four people tell a story along that theme and it's fascinating to hear the stories that are told and even to hear how they're told and there are some people that are really great storytellers and maybe you also know storytellers in your life people who are particularly good or not particularly good at telling a story I know of someone in my own life they don't live in my house, so I'll just save everyone who's my immediate family. But who will say, to make a long story short, and it's almost at that point that I know the story's going to be actually extra long. Because he can't not give you all of the things that he's not going to include in the story. Or maybe you have people whose stories you've heard time and again, and you think, oh, go, oh, here comes this story. This Here it comes. Right? Stories are a part of our lives and a part of our understanding of ourselves. But it's interesting how, for so long, I dismissed the significance of story. I remember a parishioner here several years ago who's an excellent um, feedback loop for my sermons. He said to me, Whitney, just tell us a story. And I remember thinking, isn't that like a cop out or something, though, to tell you a story? But stories are what stick in our heads. And it was only this past summer when Bishop Stephen was standing up here and he said that good stories bear repeating. And he said, I bet that Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan more than once. And my mind exploded. I thought, could it be, could it be that Jesus said that story more than once? And why wouldn't he, right? A good story does bear repeating and it's fun to hear it again and again. So it's made me consider, maybe I've been too dismissive of stories. Maybe when you say, well, I want to tell you a story, it really isn't the cheap way out. It's more a way of knowing and being known. And indeed, I think we all have stories that are our composition, that make us who we are. Ways that we understand ourselves. My favorite Disney princess is Cinderella. I think that I like her particularly because of my experience with that story growing up. My grandparents lived about five hours away, so we didn't see them more than a few times a year, four or five perhaps, and they, loved, they lived luxuriously. They had a color TV console that sat on the floor, and they had more than three channels. It was amazing. Plus, they were on Central Time, where we were on Eastern Time, so all of the shows that I never got to watch because it was after my bedtime, I did get to watch when I was there because it was before my bedtime. I'm sure you all remember, a good number of you remember, back in the day when you could only watch the TV show you wanted to watch when it came on, right? So, of course, this was before you could get movies on television or anything like that, and there weren't, they didn't have a VHS player. It hadn't been invented yet, but they did have an album of the story of Cinderella. It was the Disney telling of the story, just put on an LP, and we would listen to that story. Almost every time we went, we would beg to listen to the story of Cinderella on an album. And I liked that story so much because of one particular line. When the wicked stepmother is talking to Cinderella and everyone has been notified that all maidens are invited to the ball, Cinderella asks this wicked stepmother if she can go to the ball, too. And the wicked stepmother says, of course you can go to the ball, if you get your work done. This was my story. As a 10-year-old, this was my story. I couldn't do anything fun until I'd done all my work first, and I knew this feeling of Cinderella. Cinderella. So that in my head, I can't even tell you the voice of the wicked stepmother, but I hear her so clearly, as clear as a bell in my brain. And so I've been fascinated with the story of Cinderella over the years. And a few years ago, I came to learn as our, one of our daughters was going through middle school that they had a book that was required reading called Chinese Cinderella. And I said, oh, I want to read that book because Cinderella is my story. So this year, I finally did venture forward and read the book. I like to read young audience fiction because, especially if it has a medal on the front, because it's usually good and complex uh, characters, but at a level of reading that I can do about half asleep, you know, so I can read a page or two and fall asleep and still remember what happened. So I've just finished Chinese Cinderella, and it is difficult. It's emotionally hard. It's a memoir of a woman, a Chinese woman, and she was the unwanted daughter. Her mother had died in childbirth with her. And uh, for that, her family never forgave her. The mother, the wife that her father took next, her stepmother, kind of led the family in continually punishing this young girl. And so as she grew up, her emotional and physical abuse was painful to read about. I would say to Millicent, who just finished reading it, you know, I'm, I can't believe what happened. And Millicent would say, where, where are you? And i Well, say, well, I'm, and she just got to Hong Kong. And Millicent said, oh gosh, something bad happens in Hong Kong. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want to read it. So here is the story of this woman. And, and as she gets to the end of the story of her telling of her memoir, she says there was a a story shared with her by her aunt who loved her. And she knew that her aunt loved her. And her aunt said, let me tell you a story. And she told her a story of a Chinese Cinderella. That is the end of the book. That story. The story of Cinderella shows up in Chinese culture almost 300 years before it shows up in any English uh, literature. And this is such a powerful story that this woman knows herself as the Chinese Cinderella. Named her memoir Chinese Cinderella. The story shaped her and her understanding of her and herself and who she could be. And so, as you might remember from the Cinderella story, everything turns out fantastic at the end. And it did for this woman, too. So stories shape us. As I look at today's gospel, I think of The stories that were told. You know, here Jesus goes into Simon Peter's house, his mother-in-law is sick, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and Jesus does something in there that now makes her not sick anymore. These stories began to spread. How is it do you think they told one another? How do you think those that came to learn of it shared it with somebody else? This telling of the story was so significant that when Jesus goes off to pray, the disciples hunt for him. They come looking for him. And by using the word hunt in this passage of scripture, there's an, um, an image, if you will, of their pursuit. They're going to find him and they're not going to stop till they do. And they said, People are looking for you. And then Jesus says, Okay, let's go and share the message around Galilee. But what story is he telling? What's the message that he's sharing? As I look at the whole of Scripture, I believe that Jesus is trying to tell people about the transforming love of God, that God actually transforms us, takes the very life that we have in its brokenness and fragility and makes it something whole and substantive, renews us, calls us into a fullness of life that we never could have imagined. That's what happened to Paul. We hear about it in the letter to the Corinthians, that he has to tell people about this. He can't not tell people about this, because what has happened in and through him, he can still not fully comprehend. What is still happening in and through him, he can't still fully comprehend, and so he tells it to people, and he's willing to speak whatever language you speak, not because he's trying to sell you something, but because it's available to you too. If you're a Jew, then I'll talk the way that you you listen, because it's for you. If you live under the law, I'll say it that way because this is for you too. If you're outside of the law, I can tell you about it also. To all people, he wants to share this story and he can't not share it because it is such an incredible gift to him that it needs to be shared. To hold on to it would be an abomination, would be a diminishment of what has happened in his life. I think we know this as Christian people what it is that God has done and is doing for us in and through Jesus, and yet we're not, we don't fully know it, at least not all in our head. We have an awareness in our heart and in our gut, and we feel a pull toward it from time to time, and a revelation and discovery, and we say, oh my gosh, that's what God is doing. That's what God is up to. And we feel God's transforming work in and through us. I think that's the power of knowing the gospel story. Not so that we can master it, but so that the gospel can master us. That we can allow the transforming love of God to work in and through us in the here and the now, in the stuff of our lives, the things that we do that fill up the day, the things that occupy our minds in the middle of the night. God comes into that. Perhaps you have or haven't thought about the story that narrates your life. I imagine there have been times when you've been struck by it. I think for our young people, they have this narration that college is the thing. It's the structure for their life until they get to college. For some, that narrative feels invitational and exhilarating. For others, it feels oppressive. We talk about success and about security, and we have different ways that we outline that, right? And for some, the outline that they're living into feels like a wonderful invitation. And for others, it feels like a conviction. If you've had a crisis in your life, it has probably brought you face to face with how it is that your story is not turning out like it was supposed to. Something's wrong here. I dare say a midlife crisis is that moment when someone realizes in the middle of their life, oh, this is it? This is what I'm doing or will do? This isn't what I thought it was going to be. The beauty of the gospel is that it calls us into the fullness of the life that we can't even imagine for ourselves. We can trust our own life in the gospel narrative. One of the things I love about the gospel narrative is that it corrects when we have made it in error. There have been a lot of atrocities done in the name of Jesus, no doubt. But I believe that through the living God, it gets corrected. And we realize, sometimes way too long of a time, sometimes in more short time, we realize what needs to be corrected. That's the beauty of being able to trust ourselves in the story of Jesus and in that gospel message God comes to us wherever we are inviting us to live into the story that God has for us a better one than we could imagine and God gives us the strength that we need and the compassion that we need to live into that story God is faithful to us and with us throughout that endeavor God comes alongside of us and speaks mercy and love and forgiveness and calls us into claiming ourselves and, and the love that God has for one another, something that's available to all people. This is the good news that we've been entrusted with. This is the good news that we're called into. We don't need to be afraid that we haven't gotten it right, we just need to be afraid of not receiving it. It's invi- the invitation to each of us to put ourselves in the gospel to allow the gospel story to be our story, to guide and to bring us into the fullness of who God has called us to be. God will not abandon us on this journey. No matter how it goes, ideally or askew, God is with us always. And that is the good news that we have to share. Amen.